Greetings film fans and welcome to another episode of the following feature podcast. I'm your host Arthur Wilde and I'm here every week to break down the latest film news and gossip, you know, things that are going on that might be of interest to you, mainly of interest to me, I don't even know who you are. Really, I don't. But also we do some film reviews where basically we try to look through what's available to watch and uh, you know what, I would normally say like, oh, here's some recommendations. But I can't really say that this week because I'm just going to call them film reviews and you'll understand when we get to our main film today. Um, the films that we're breaking down, um, there's uh, The Game Night that we talked about last week with Jason Bateman. Always talking about Jason Bateman these days. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll be breaking that one down. Uh, our indie film this week is the fantastic action film uh, Avengement from Jesse V. Johnson. Um but the, uh, the the main film that we're br- breaking down is called Project Power. Now, you might know this one. It's just dropped on Netflix. It's um, Jamie Foxx and uh, your man there, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, so we'll be reviewing those three films, but reviewing them, not necessarily recommending them. Um, but before we do all that, let's let's jump into the news and uh, and, you know, Follow the routine. Have a bit of consistency. Try to stay professional. What do you think? Can I do it? It's worth a try. Right, in the first bit of film news, um, Daniel Kaluuya. I'm really not sure. Daniel Kaluuya. There's two U's. I kind of, I, I said this last time, I just kind of want to say Daniel Kaluuya. Um... Well, Daniel of Get Out and Queen and Slim fame is to star in the film adaptation of Femi Fadugba's novel The Upper World. Uh, this time travel adventure is based in Peckham, London, and tells the tale of a man who can see glimpses of past and the future um, and must help a stranger stop a bullet being fired 15 years in the past. Well, uh, you know, this sounds interesting. Um... Uh, the one thing that really kind of surprises me about this project as well is that they're picking up the film rights before the book has actually been released. Now, apparently there's going to be a whole series of um, young adult novels uh, regarding uh, this story. Um, and there's a lot of excitement around it. Um, not really sure what to expect of it yet. Um, Daniel is, of course, starring alongside uh, Lakeith Stanfield in Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, and he's been attached to a lot of very, very exciting projects. Um, what we've seen of him so far um, in Get Out, uh, Queen and Slim, um, and he's also in Black Panther as well. Let's not forget that. Um, he is a fine actor and someone who's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Um, so the fact that there's so much excitement around this book before the book is even released, that they've attached one of the most hottest properties in the acting world to the film already means that this is one that we need to keep an eye on people this could be a this could be a bit of a creeper this this one could come out of nowhere and uh you know again a young action uh, a young adult novel uh, full of action time travel um, magic maybe i don't know um it could end up being the film that artemis fowl wasn't um, if you want to know what I think of Artemis Fowl, go back and listen to the review of that one. What a hot mess. But yeah, so Daniel is going to be making that film. Um, obviously, we have Black Messiah coming out first. Um, and no doubt he's probably going to be involved in Black Panther 2 as well. Um, yeah, so that's very exciting. 
Um, again, not really sure what to expect of it yet. Can't really give you a breakdown of what the story's all about because, as, as I say, the book hasn't even been released yet. But, you know, hot property with um, a hot actor involved. Uh, very looking forward to that, and we'll keep an eye on it. As soon as I've got any more information, I'll let you know. Um, now, another uh, a bit of interesting news, um, and one that's got me a bit perplexed. Uh, there's a lot to, to think about here. Um, Zack Snyder, um, his upcoming zombie action film, The Army of the Dead, has run into some issues with its uh, star Chris D'Elia after he's been accused of sexual misconduct, misconduct uh, and is therefore being removed from the movie. Now, this film wrapped late last year, so it's been in the can for about 10 months. Um, the fact that they're actually going to go back and replace him it's going to be quite a costly thing, but um, here's what they're actually going to be doing. They're going to be editing him out um, and using CGI to replace him with comedian and activist Tig Notaro. Uh, now, this comes after the allegations that the actor had been uh, making advances on uh, line to underage girls. Um, and whilst no charge has been made and uh, Delia's denying knowingly doing anything wrong, um, the accusations are severe enough to worry filmmakers enough to take action. Um, and that's understandable, um, although a little controversial because uh, basically what they're saying is that they don't want to be associated with him if he's found innocent or not. Um, and that can be quite a risky move. Now, this film, um, what they've done, they've filmed all the scenes with him in it. Um, and what they're going to do is just digitally remove him. And instead of getting all the cast back to reshoot all those scenes, they're going to film Tig on, I imagine, a green screen and digitally put her in where Chris used to be. Now, you know, fair enough, that might work technically, but artistically you're going to run into a few problems there. Now, the actors that are in the film, they have already performed to Chris D'Elia's actions. His character, his persona, his delivery has been what their reactions are all based on. Um, and actors do pride themselves on giving an authentic reaction um, and performance based on, on what's actually going on around them. Um, so to take someone like, if you don't know Chris D'Elia, uh, he's a stand-up comedian, um, got quite famous recently. He, he basically, on Instagram, he did this um, parody of Eminem. Eminem liked it so much that uh, he used Chris D'Elia in one of his videos, and they had this whole thing back and forth. And, um, but his stand-up comedy is, is really quite successful. He's got three specials, which are still on Netflix. Um, ones that I very much enjoy, and I'm a, I'm a fan of him myself. Um, uh, this information's come out of the blue. I'm not saying that I, I don't believe it. I have no real, you know, understanding of what's happened. I don't really know the people that have made the accusations. Um... I don't. I can't really say that I know Chris. Uh, I'm a. I'm a fan of his work, but he could turn out to be a terrible person. Who knows? We all could, really. Um, but he has come out and vehemently denied the accusations. Um, and there's a, a kind of weird situation where it's um, people are accusing him of uh, being. He's played a character recently um, who was um, like a, a, a child molester, a horrible person, but acting in a role. Um, and it's prompted some people to come forward and say, well, actually, that's a bit more like who he really is uh, because of the past I have with him. Now, that's um, 
the, the way the story's come about, there's a, there's a few details about it which just seem a little bit suspect to me. But again, I don't really fully know. Um, and I'm not going to get behind someone just on the, the idea that I find them funny and I hope it's not true. I do hope it's not true. But, you know, he hasn't come out and... Um, he's basically come out and said that, you know, he's... Um, uh, he apologises for the person that he used to be and he got caught up in the lifestyle. Um, and I think that's more to do with his... Um, promiscuous behavior and how he tried to take advantage of uh, his fame um, to enjoy more, you know, situations with women that probably wouldn't have given him time of day. Um, but he has a very unique personality. He's a very unique character. Um, he's very animated and, um, you know, quite um, a cartoonish person. Um, Tig Notaro, I'm, I'm not too familiar with her comedic work. Um, but I've seen her acting and stuff, and personally, I I don't rate her. Uh, she she turned up in um, what do you call it, Star Trek Discovery, and she had very 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 wooden delivery, very kind of like she was reading it off a cue card, and she had no real emotional investment into what she was doing. Um, so it's a it's a huge difference in 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 you know performances. Uh, I don't really know what Tiggs is going to bring to the role. Um, you know, I can't really say I know what the role's all about, but knowing Chris D'Elia and knowing the kind of delivery that he would have given, her delivery is going to be so much different. It might make the reactions of her co-stars seem a little weird, or, you know, it might not fit. I don't know. For me personally... That just raises a whole load of problems as to uh, how that film works, how the chemistry works, how that kind of, you know, the character dynamic is affected by this sudden change. And the fact that they're not getting the actors to react to Tig's delivery, uh, but trying to get trying to force her delivery to warrant the reactions that are already filmed. Um, as I say, she's not what I would qualify as um, someone who's known for their acting abilities. I think she's quite well known in America for her her stand-up comedy. Um, again, it's, it's not really appealed to me. Um, I have nothing against her as a person, and I have no problem with her being in the film, but I don't really find her as funny, um, and I definitely don't think she can act. Uh, so to force, to, to digitally put her into a film uh, with people that are reacting to uh, a completely different actor... Um, I don't really know how that's going to work. Um, but you know, it's it's a weird situation. There's so much to think about. Um, I guess we'll see. I mean, this is the thing as well. Like, um, as I say, like if he is found innocent, and the film tanks, and people identify that kind of weird, like offset dynamic between the characters and. The, 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 the reactions that don't quite fit. I I think that could be a decision because they seem to have just like sort of the, these accusations came out very recently and the whole plan to replace him has been thrown together so quickly that you just wonder if, they not, if they're not jumping the gun. I mean, all films that are due to be released are on a, a delay at the moment. And I think there's a chance to sit back and, and watch this story develop and unfold and for the, um, you know, the investigations to happen. Um, that's the thing, I don't even know if there's any criminal investigation happening. I think they might have just gone on the word of these stories and 
decided to do what they've done. Um, but it's had a knock-on effect, and a lot of people are, you know, reacting quickly. Um, there's a show called Workaholics, which Chris appeared in one episode, and they've actually pulled that episode um, off from all streaming services that host the, the show, which is quite a reaction. Um, again, uh, no criminal charges, uh, no investigation as of yet, um, but there's a, there's a very severe reaction which makes you think, you know, no smoke without fire. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, it'd be a shame if it turned out to be true, but at the same time, you never know. You never know who's going to be doing what. I mean, I'm of the generation that grew up with Bill Cosby being the most wholesome family man that anyone could ever imagine uh, being associated with. He's just He was the absolute epitome of a good father and a respectable human being. And look what happened with him. He's actually gone down as, I believe, officially the world's worst serial rapist. Bill fucking Cosby. I mean, the world is a very strange place and, and people can surprise you. And just because they seem lovable and funny and, you know, charming. You know, it's the whole Ted Bundy thing. That's how they get you. But anyway, um, Zack Snyder making a, um, a zombie film is exciting anyway. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it regardless. But, hmm, that's, that's going to be a, a huge distraction. If anything, I wish I didn't know they were doing it. I wish that I didn't know Chris had been in the film and that they'd digitally replaced him. Because I'm going to be watching very closely to see if it works. Um, but yeah. More on that as it develops. Um, on to more news. And here's one that really kind of caught my eye this week. Zac Efron is to star in the Three Men and a Baby remake. Seriously. Um, it's been made for Disney+, and it's been produced by the people that brought us the fantastic drama The Way Back with Ben Affleck. Um, did I review this? I'm not sure now. If I haven't, I thoroughly recommend The Way Back. Um, I'm going to have a look into that. If I haven't reviewed it, I'll review it next week. Uh, it's a Ben Affleck film about... Um, is it a hockey coach? What does he do? No, it's basketball, isn't it? Bloody hell. I'm going to have to watch it again. What an excuse to watch a great film one more time. Um, but yeah, the, the, the producers of that are making... Uh, well, they're remaking Three Men and a Baby for Disney+. Plus. Uh, Zac Efron's attached to star... There's not really any word about who's going to star alongside him. But hey, we do love to speculate. Now, I've been picturing this. Um, you know, who would be a good, you know, good young stars to kind of be alongside Zach? Because the original, the, the original we had um, starred Steve Guttenberg, Ted Danson and Tom Selleck, who famously went on to do not much after that. All of them, really. Think about it. Steve Gutenberg made about 17 Police Academy films. Um, then he made Two Men and a, and a Baby, uh, Three Men and a Baby. Um, and then Silence. And then they made the sequel, Three Men and a Little Lady, and then Silence. And I believe he's actually gone on to work on... Steve Gutenberg. this is. Uh, went on to work on... Is it Sharknado 7? 
or one of the spin-offs. One of those um, straight-to-sci-fi channel made with £7.50 of budget. Um, special effects done by a 14-year-old on an Amstrad. Um, one of those terrible, terrible films. Um, yeah, so it was a huge hit, but somehow... <laughs> That's, that's a weird situation when you're in a huge hit and it becomes the end of your career. He didn't really go on to do much after that. Ted Danson did some stuff. Um, and he's made a bit of a comeback now, especially in that, that show, um, The Good Life. Or The Good Place. The Good. It's a good thing. Um, he also was fantastic in um, that one series of Fargo. Uh, so he's still got a career. He's still doing well. Um... Who's the other one? Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck, before this film came out, he was Magnum P.I. Um, and <laughs> very almost Indiana Jones as well. Um, in fact, if you go on YouTube, you can see a, a, the test footage of Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. Mustache and all. So um, here's an, another interesting thing. I'm going to go off on a tangent here now, but... Fuck it, this is, a, this is a funny one and I just need to get this out of my system, otherwise it's going to bug me. Tom Selleck um, was originally supposed to be Indiana Jones. Um, and he established himself as Magnum P.I. Now, those two costumes, very distinctive costumes, were used as the inspiration for a cartoon called Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And this was something that someone pointed out to me at one point and it just blew my mind. That Chippendale Rescue Rangers are basically Indiana Jones and Magnum P.I. And it was, I, I don't know, I, I don't know the full story of how that came to be, but that is definitely intentional. And I think it was inspired by the fact that, um, you know, uh, they were contemplating the idea of like how Magnum P.I. could be Indiana Jones um, and trying to kind of picture that one. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird situation. And I know I'm going way off track here, but... Um, yeah, after that, Thomas Selleck as well. His film career kind of died down, but he went into TV, and he had a, a great career in TV, because, um, as you may have known, he turned up as uh, Monica's boyfriend in, in Friends. Uh, but then he went on to make the um, the police drama Blue Bloods. Uh, I think that was a huge hit. I never watched it myself, but it had, um, you know, several series and did very, very well. I think he actually got nominated for an award as well. Um, oh, should we give this a try? Alexa. Has Tom Selleck ever been nominated for an award? Hmm, I don't know that she doesn't know. She doesn't know. Uh, that, was a, that was a tough question. Um, but at least she's responding. That's nice. Um, but yeah, so... Those three guys were... You know, the comedy partnership. They were just basically... Three... Man-childs. Men-children? What is the plural for man-child? Men-childs. Man-children. Anyway, they were immature. Um, bachelors living in a uh, an apartment together and, you know, constantly having parties to try to pick up women and stuff and just enjoying the life. Um, and they're stuck with a baby. Uh, and then they can't really work out which one of them is the father because um, it's left on their doorstep with... A very vague note. Um, but it makes them reevaluate their life choices and kind of makes them look in the mirror and sum up who they are as a 
as a person, as a man, um, and how this kind of responsibility can really be the best thing that's ever happened to them. Um, so then they're all kind of competing about wanting to be the father. Um, yeah, and it was a huge hit at the time. It was a massive hit. Um, so I'm not surprised they're they're looking to to remake it. Zac Efron, though, um, again, he's an actor. I think he's is better than his uh, catalogue, his past work. Um, and he's definitely my choice for Wolverine when um, the X-Men get rebooted. Um, <clears throat> but who could star alongside him? I've been thinking um, actors, and uh, straight away I just started thinking British actors. Someone like Nicholas Holt, I think, would be a good kind of actor to, to play alongside him. Uh, maybe Andrew Garfield. Um, again, another British actor, but, you know, these guys play Americans better than some Americans. Um, and maybe Topher Grace as well. I kind of feel bad for Topher Grace because he's um, he had a great career with, uh, was it That 70s Show? And he was making his way into the film world as well, and it all seemed to be going in the right direction for him. Then he made Spider-Man 3. Yeah, that, one, that didn't go too well. Um... Yeah, what, he was, oh, he was also in uh, Predators with um, Adam Brody or Adrian Brody. Um, that was uh, that was a quite a decent film, I thought. It was a little bit all over the place, but it had a kind of more of a stripped down feel like the original Predator film, and I I, I found it better than some of them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Who do you think? Do you remember the film? Did you enjoy the film? Who would you like to see in the remake? There's obviously plenty of comedic actors, but, you know, that dynamic that they had, I mean, I'm not going to suggest that could you ever um, emulate the the wonderful performances of Steve Gutenberg and Ted Danson, you know, I think you could, you could easily better it, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. They need to take a, a fresh look at what this film actually would be in the modern audience, in the modern day. Um, you know, because you got back then uh, the the whole batch, the idea of bachelorism and kind of like um, men being men and um, that kind of attitude towards relationships or the patriarchy and that whole thing back in the eighties. It was completely different as it is now. A lot of things have changed. The the current climate would not allow that kind of behaviour to be glamorised or, you know, um, championed. Those kind of characters couldn't be seen as protagonists because they're morally questionable. Um, so it's going to have to have a bit of a fresh take. Hopefully it's not going to pander to, um, you know, a, a very select audience. Um Hopefully it is actually funny, but it's going straight to Disney Plus, so it's it's not going to be made for an adult audience, I don't think. Um, this is going to be a a teeny film, um, but I don't know. Having you know, remembering seeing the originals at the cinema, um, I will be intrigued to see what they do with the remake. Uh, Zac Efron is no stranger to remakes as well, because he was obviously in um, Baywatch, which. Baywatch was actually at its funniest when it wasn't taking itself seriously. Um, but I think 
it didn't quite advertise itself as a parody. And therefore, the tone got a bit kind of mixed up, and it, it didn't quite have the success it should have. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, the more, if anything gets released, and if any more casting news comes out, I'll, I'll let you know. Now, um, as far as news for next week is concerned, I know I shouldn't be talking about this already, but um, DC Fandom is next Saturday, August 22nd. Now, if you don't know what this is, it's a virtual convention to show off new DC projects, including the Batman, Wonder Woman 1984, Suicide Squad, and of course Zack Snyder's Justice League recut thing that we're getting, um, which possibly is featuring Ryan Reynolds. There's been a bit of talk recently this week of um, Ryan was saying that he would gladly offer his services, because in the original version of the Justice League film, um, the Green Lanterns were supposed to be the Green Lantern Corps was supposed to be a big part of it. We see a sequence where um, the you know the ancient battle that they they flash back to with all the different kind of uh, power structures coming together and clashing in a in a massive epic confrontation. Um, and the Green Lantern Corps were in there; they were doing their thing, um, and there was supposed to be. Uh, a Green Lantern appearance in Justice League. Because remember, Justice League was supposed to be a trilogy of films originally. Um, then it got stripped down to being just two films. And then at the last minute, they tried to shoehorn everything into one film. And then after the last minute, uh, they sacked the director and just just fucked it up completely. Just Just added bits and took bits out and released what was basically... A bodge. An absolute fucking bodge. Ryan Reynolds, though, is saying that because he played the Green Lantern in the film The Green Lantern, which was awful. Um, so awful that I think Takawititi tries to pretend that he wasn't in it. Um, but Ryan Reynolds, kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know the way he is. He said that he's absolutely available for any reshoots if they do want to include him in the film. Um, but he's also suggested that he might already be in the film, um, suggesting there might be some footage used from uh, a Green Lantern film, the, the Green Lantern film that he made, uh, being repurposed somehow. I don't know. I don't know if, if that's true. Um, and it's a role that he absolutely, you know, Ryan Reynolds completely despised. The way it turned out, the way that film came together, it was... Very, very disappointing. And he received a lot of criticism for it. He even parried it on um, the end of a Deadpool film in the end credits where he uh, goes back in time and shoots himself in the head as he's about to accept the Green Hornet script. He's like, you're welcome, Canada. You must remember that bit. If you haven't seen Deadpool by now, you're missing out. They're fantastic films. But yeah, um, this whole DC fandom thing is going to be just... It's... I mean, usually at Comic-Con, uh, which was a few weeks ago, they have DC panels and they have Marvel panels and it's a big, big convention where they can show off what's coming up. They can um, you know, exclusively preview trailers for films and uh, have actors come out and talk about their roles. And it's a very exciting time as far as like sort of film news and casting is concerned. However, um, because of COVID and all that jazz, it's it's... The, the Comic-Con didn't really happen. It did, but it didn't. Because uh, Disney weren't there, Marvel weren't there, and DC weren't there. Which is basically everyone. 
So, um, yeah, uh, Marvel are going to be doing their own thing quite soon. They're going to be revealing some stuff online. But DC are doing their own virtual thing where you can go to a virtual convention online. And you can learn all about their comics and their TV shows and their movies. Um, and the one thing that's really exciting to me is they've they've mentioned all the films that I know they're making. Um, you know, they've they've talked about them in, in in great detail, and there's been like sort of definitely there's definitely going to be trailers for certain things. Um, and that's that's all going to be very exciting. But they've also said that they're going to be revealing um, information about an, uh, a secret project they're working on um a f an unmentioned film that no one knows is coming so that's exciting i mean it's really hard to kind of even speculate what that might be there's a chance it could be black adam which is basically uh um black adam is uh the f main enemy of shazam um and as you may or may not know, uh, Black Adam is going to be uh, played by The Rock. So that's an exciting thing coming up. But that's unknown. That's that's something that we're already very much aware of. There's even been a small bit of like sort of teaser footage released. Um, so that's that's not a big surprise. Uh, and I, I definitely don't think it's going to be that. We probably will hear more about that. Um, and we might even get like a little teaser trailer for that. But that's not going to be the surprise film. So what is it going to be? Now, some of the news that we've had recently, um, due to the Snyder Cut, a lot of actors have signed on to come back and, and do reshoots and maybe make appearances in other films. And those actors are Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. Ben obviously plays Batman, and there's a possibility he might be playing Batman again in some other films, but maybe not a standalone Batman film. And Henry Cavill, who um, has been a huge supporter of Zack Snyder in relation to him getting the, the his cut released of Justice League, there's there's talk, there's rumours of the possibility of there being a Man of Steel 2. Now, I for one would like to see that. I I would like to see you know, I mean it all depends on how well Justice League goes. But there seems to be a very positive buzz around that at the moment. Um, and the fact that we're going to get, like, sort of... It's either going to be, like, a four- or six-episode arc. Um, they've, they've, apparently there's over four hours' worth of film to be shown. Um, yeah, uh, but there's there's already a, a bit of a buzz about the potential success of that leading to other projects being greenlit on the back of it. Um, and one of those is being Man of Steel 2. Um, Henry Cavill's talked openly about his love of playing Superman and how keen he would be to, um, you know, go back and revisit the character. So, watch this space. I mean, all will be revealed next Saturday at DC Fandom. So, I will be sure to pay attention, I'll be watching the conventions, I'll be listening to all the news, and I'll have a breakdown for you next Sunday. Um, now, I know these episodes are getting a bit later in the day on, on the Sundays now. I am trying to make sure that I still do it on the Sunday. Um... But yeah, it's uh, today's been a bit of an odd day because um, whilst I was preparing to record the um, podcast, a storm rolled in, and it was it was a hell of a storm, um, torrential downpour, uh, but just a constant barrage of lightning and thunder for over an hour, um, which 
yeah, it kind of just set me back a little bit. But I know these are getting later and later, and uh, I do apologise if you're hoping to enjoy this early on your Sunday afternoon. Um, I will try to get next week's one done a little bit earlier. Um, the Steven Spielberg project has just been shelled, I'm afraid. Um, my weekends are just getting so... Well, my weeks are getting so busy because I've got a full-time job now. Um, I'm a lot more tired in the evening, but because my nephew started football training again, um, I'm also having le- have less evenings free. Um, but what happened this week as well, like I was hoping to spend Wednesday just finishing it off and getting it recorded. Um, I had my first filming gig. I got to do some acting for the first time this... Well, since early March. Um, when I say acting, it was just background work. Um, it's for a soap opera in uh, the UK called Holby City. Um, and I can't really talk about like what was going on in the episode, but I was just a guy visiting the hospital. Uh, so nothing, nothing too spectacular, nothing too exciting. But it was interesting to get back on a film set and just see how things work with the, the, the new regulations. And it was really weird. Uh, what was really stressful, though, was the fact that obviously we can't be kept indoors for safety reasons. Uh, so we had to kind of park ourselves outside by some trees. And the, and the annoying thing about that was I'm ginger. And it was 34 degrees in the shade. So I didn't bring any sunscreen, um, which was regretful. Um, and yeah, it was a long and exhausting and warm day. Um, but fun and interesting and good to kind of get back out there and get filming again. Um I, that's not the last bit of filming I'll do this year. I've actually got confirmation that as of the end of next month, I will be, well, I'm going to be working on a very, very big blockbuster film. I, I Obviously, obviously, I can't tell you what it is. Um, it's definitely one that I've mentioned on the show in regards to it going back into production soon. Um, it was one that I had a costume fitting for um, in early March. We were supposed to film from April onwards. And it just kind of got postponed indefinitely. Um, But yeah, as of the end of September, I will be heading down to a very famous uh, film studio lot. um, And I will be working alongside some of the biggest names in Hollywood um, on one of the biggest projects. There's Oscar winners involved in this project. It's going to be huge. Um, I can't tell you anything. It's so frustrating. Um, if anything, that if that film had been cancelled, at least I can say, guess what I was almost in. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be my 14th or 15th major film. Um, so that's very exciting. You don't get to do them very often, but it is good when you get, especially I, I've been booked in, I think I'm doing like three or four weeks on it. So I've, I, I'll get to like sort of do some decent amount of work on it. Um, and that's always nice. I remember when I worked on Dumbo. That's the longest I've worked on a film, uh, and that was two and a half months. And let me tell you something, if there's one thing that's not good for your mental health, it's spending 16 hours a day, five days a week, on a set which includes 60-foot clown faces that come from the mind of Tim Burton. If you, if you really want to be in a situation which fucks with your dreams, that's the one. That's the one. Good God. Yeah. That... (laughs) I kind of feel like I should have had some kind of therapy after that film. Um, But it was a wonderful project. It was an amazing thing to work on. Some amazing people to work with. So, yeah. No regrets. Um, 
If you want to try to spot me in Dumbo as well, I mean, it's it's one of those things. It's not really. I don't really do this job to um to to get any kind of fame or notoriety. It's mainly to um, gain experience and do some networking. Um, it's amazing who you get to meet on the set of films. Um, and the connections you make can be extremely advantageous. So it's a wonderful thing. But to also to watch the best of the best do their thing. Um, especially on that film, watching Tim Burton directing um, Michael Keaton and Danny DeVito. I mean... I'm sure I don't. If you're a real film fan, I don't explain. Don't need to explain why that's so special. Um, but if you can't be in that kind of environment and take something from it, if you can't learn from watching great actors give wonderful performances, I know Dumbo wasn't exactly a great film, but I, my problems aren't necessarily with uh, the actors or anything like that. Um, it's, it's but it is a wonderful experience to be a part of of the film industry in that way. So, um, really looking forward to getting back back on set. Um, right, now, our film reviews, as I say, I've gone through them. We're going to start with the first one, which is the, the big film that just dropped on Netflix, Project Power. Starring Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and introducing Dominique Fishback as Robin, a small-time dealer of a drug simply called Power. Inexplicably given away for free by a mysterious distributor, the pill gives its users five minutes of pure power. The type of power depends on the person taking it, and is somehow a manifestation of the personality type, although that's not really explored in any detail that gives you a proper understanding of how it works. Now, that's how the drug's supposed to work. However, some people just explode. Again, not real, not much of an explanation as to what it is and how it works. Um, but one of Robin's customers is Frank, a cop with the NOPD, the New Orleans PD, who is trying to level the playing field in a city suddenly overcome with powered criminals. He's a confusing man who is unprofessional to the extent that he gives a stolen motorbike to his child's drug dealer. Frank is soon found out and takes his investigation off the books, apparently with the blessing of his supervisors, who are the ones who chastised him for his reckless and unethical practices. Yeah. Um, so they give him a target, uh, but he's given a target, and it's it's someone who Robin's already teamed up with, um, against her wishes. Art, played by Denzel, not Denzel, Jesus Christ, Jamie Foxx, sorry. Art is uh, on the hunt for his daughter, who is somehow linked to the drugs, and kidnaps Robin to get close to the top of the ladder, uh, who he believes uh, has his little girl. Basically what I'm saying there, because I know I kind of bit my tongue halfway through, that hurt. He's on the hunt for his daughter, who's been taken by the people that make this drug. And he believes by taking Robin, who is a, a low-key drug dealer, he can work his way up the chain to try to find out who has his daughter. Um, but can he save her? Will Frank be able to stop him and save Robin? Will Robin ever become a rapper? Is there a plan for a drug that goes beyond making money? How are the police managing to stop absolute Armageddon with hundreds of super-powered maniacs on the loose? Why does Frank walk like he recently suffered an accident during a colonoscopy? Why does everyone change personality with a flick of a switch with not one person managing any consistency? And did anyone even read the script before making this hot mess? So many plot holes, so many inconsistencies. That's what I've written at the end of my notes. In, in, in bold lettering, so many plot holes, so many inconsistencies. This film is all over the fucking place. 
Seriously. Um, I don't know what the filmmakers were trying to do, but this is what happens when you um, take people who have great visionary ideas, um, cinematographers who feel that they can they can take the reins and make films. It's the, the structure of this film is so loose that you find yourself in the film before it started. And you don't really get a full introduction to who people are. You don't get to establish who people are. You're just kind of said like, kind of like, well, that's typical of Frank. Apparently, I don't know. There's there's no real development of characters. Um, and you know me, I I hate unnecessary amounts of exposition. Um, this really needed some. Um, this really needed a filmmaker with an understanding of how to. You know, really tell a story rather than to create great visionary. I mean, there are so many different camera angles. It works like a showreel for a cinematographer. That's basically what this is. There are so many angles from awkward, like views through windows, different perspectives, different angles, and it's just you. You kind of get lost in in where you are in the film. There are fight sequences which seem to end and then pick up halfway through. And you're just like, how? Hang on, was that bit supposed to be in there? Was that a mistake, or are they deliberately trying to mess with the timing of things to kind of throw you off? And why would you want to throw us off? This film is quite confusing, not because it has a complicated plot, but because they they seem to forget what the plot is every now and again, and it kind of focuses on things that don't really make any sense. When it comes to the relationship between the different characters and how they come together. It's it's very loose. I mean, the fact that you've got this one cop uh, who takes uh, some kind of mystical drug um, or magical drug. Let's let's be fair. It's a magical drug that gives superpowers, um, which apparently has just been developed by a bunch of criminals in order to exploit business people that want to do damage to their countries. It, I mean, what the fuck? Where, where are we? What the fuck? What the fuck is this film about? There is no real proper understanding of the motives of the people that are doing harm. I mean, there's, there's, there's kind of, they, they kind of go into it a little bit more on like sort of how, um, you know, certain characters are connected. Um, but how and why, it just, it doesn't really make any sense how, you know, you can cr- you can do something like this. You can create this. They don't really give you an understanding of of what is going on with the drug. All you got to know, and, it, and and let's face it, this was the pitch meeting. Like imagine there was a drug that can give you power for five minutes. I reckon that was the entire fucking pitch. I reckon someone's just like, hey, yeah, well, look, there's a briefcase of cash. Why don't you just explore that idea? I mean, you've got so much experience as Oh Jesus! I mean, it's just there's there's no real like sort of coherent storyline. It's just a few moments thrown together with uh, an overly dramatic sound design, um, as many different camera angles as you can throw at it. Um, so much slow mo, and like you know these these focus pulls and just like I don't know. I just I found myself kind of like just. 
looking at the wall beside the TV whilst the film was playing in the hope that the paint might do something more interesting than what was actually happening on screen. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character doesn't make any sense. Frank is someone that steals from the police to um, help his underage drug-dealing friend, I, I don't know, get in more trouble. Um, Jamie Foxx's character, Art, you've got no idea what, what what's going on with him because he seems like a very violent, angry man um, who is somehow uh, a father figure who's compassionate but is also suffering from paranoid delusions, uh, schizophrenia of some sort, uh, but that just seems to be a, a reason to use like really weird flashback sequences and again as many cinematography tricks as you can throw at a fucking film um just a hot mess i've used that phrase a couple of times in this podcast i'm aware of that but this is the definition of it um watch it if you want some people enjoy it i thought it was a pile of crap um but yeah let's move on to the next film because yeah I'm just, I'm going to end up getting angry. I mean, you throw that much money at a bunch of filmmakers. It's a bit like um, the, that bullshit I watched a few weeks ago. Was it Extraction with Chris Hemsworth? Again, some really great ideas from the from a, a cinematography point of view. But not a good film. Not a good story. Not a coherent story. Not a well-told plot. Now, the next film that I'm uh, reviewing... Um, oh... Uh, Project Powers on Netflix if you want to watch it. Don't, because it's shit, but if you want to. If you if you're now curious enough to kinda of like kind of what what how did how has a film of Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon Le- Levitt managed to make this man angry? Go go ahead and watch it. Um but I'm not apologizing. I'm not recommending it, alright? It's up to you. Game Night stars Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams as a couple obsessed with gaming. Uh, and they are winning at life in almost every way. The only thing they're failing at is starting a family. Something they associate with the sibling rivalry experienced by Max, played by Jason Bateman. His older, more successful, and, according to his friends, more handsome brother Brooks visiting soon, Max knows that he'll be facing the unavoidable humiliation that comes with game night. When his brother suggests having the next game night at his house, for the good of Max's sperm mobility, the couple agree to win at all costs, but Pictionary, this is not. Employing a group of actors to stage a kidnapping, the couples must work to solve the clues and rescue Brooks in order to win his nice red sports car. It's a Corvette Stingray, just like the one Max dreamed of owning. But, as real bullets fly and things get serious, past truths are revealed and the whole experience gets turned on its head. Faced with a genuinely dangerous situation, winning now means living and the couple must do whatever they can to survive what they're almost positive is not a game. A simple and, if I'm honest, mostly predictable plot unravels with little surprise but many laughs. Take away the performances from Bateman, McAdams, Plemons, and the underrated Sharon Hogan, and there's not much to talk about, really. The farcical way that things develop are made thoroughly enjoyable by the cast. And that's really what made this film. Um, the premise is one that didn't really appeal to me so I've, I've kind of avoided the film for a while but I'm a Bateman fan um, and I, 
I also really enjoy Jesse Plemons. He's one of those actors that he's not very animated. He's like an anti-Crystalia. He's he's very subdued and very understated in his performances. But he manages to convey a certain menace with his eyes that he's wonderfully like typecast, unfortunately, as some very sinister characters. And I'm telling you, he's brilliant in this as the um, the police officer neighbour who's basically a bit of a creep and not welcome at game night, but is always trying to get in. Um, and he's just... Every line he delivers with such unnecessary gravitas um, that he really disturbs everyone around him. And it's, it's, it's brilliant. Um, but Jason Bateman as well. Jason and Rachel both give great performances of quite quite a realistic couple. Um, and I don't know, it's something about Jason Bateman's timing as well when it, with comedy. He seems to have a real natural talent for just, you know, just casually allowing comedy to happen around him. That doesn't make any sense. Um, he almost just seems to be like sort of he doesn't do anything in a comedic way that really makes you laugh. He reacts in, an, in a very authentic way to, to quite ridiculous situations um, with a... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, obviously, he's turned his hand to drama recently, but his comedic chops are extremely well-established. And this film really does show it off because he doesn't have to do much. As I say, like, it's not the kind of role that you'd throw Jim Carrey into. But he's perfectly suited as this kind of, you know, the the brother with sibling rivalry. He he kind of envious of his more, his his bigger brother who's everything he's not, um, and it's it's affecting him going forward. It's affecting his ability to have kids, um, and the team of people that he he competes against in, in game night, they're so distracted by their own problems that he's found a way to become the the king of his his thing. His thing is game night. His thing is games. His thing is competing. Um, and he's found his perfect partner in Rachel McAdams because she is as competitive as he is. Um, but the people that he invites around, the, 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 the couples that uh, attend, are so they have so many of their, their own problems, their own situations happening, that he's not really competing against the best of the best. Um, the only person that he really does compete with is his brother. Um, and so him coming to town has affected him in ways that he didn't even really fully appreciate. And that's why he's firing blanks. But this is a great film. Um, it's a fun film. It's a, it's like only about 90 minutes long. Um, but it's a really good escapade where things constantly develop. You know what? It's one of those things as well. Like, when it started, I kind of thought, I know what's going on here. Um, you know, there's going to be a, a situation where um, a real kidnapping happens. Um, and the joke is going to be that no one really gets it, and people carry on like they're not in as much danger as they are. And that is kind of the premise, but that gets kind of turned on its head uh, in a very unique and kind of original way. Um, and there's a lot to the film that that really does work, and, and, you know, has a certain amount of originality that I wasn't expecting. So it's a very, very enjoyable film. It is very funny, but um, mainly because of the cast, mainly because of Jason Bateman, and also Jesse Plemons who, I'd like to say he kills, but that's 
probably leading you down a dark alley. Um, he's fantastic in this film, and it's definitely worth checking out. Now, our last film of the week um, is an indie film, obviously, because there's always one. Um, and this one comes from a filmmaking team that I've become very, very fond of over the last few years. Um, Jesse V. Johnson is uh, um, he's, uh, an action filmmaker who has found his genre. Um, and he likes to explore the different tropes of action films uh, that have already been established and just revisit them with a fresh eye. Um, the The idea of action films in the 80s and 90s were quite over the top um, and quite masculine, you know, quite... They're, they're referred to as films for men. Um, but as things progressed and as, like, sort of uh, social climates changed, um, the, the, the world of films and action films especially adapted around that. And... Heroes weren't necessarily the the kind of Arnold Schwarzeneggers or Stallones that you you we got used to seeing back in the day, um, and action films kind of got like sort of I don't know they became a bit more comedy, they became a bit more self aware, um, they became a bit more tongue in cheek, uh, a bit of a parody, um, or they became just really trashy, dated uh, piles of crap. Uh, what Jesse's kind of managed to do is find a way to honour those those kind of films, uh, whilst well, he 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 made classic action films without pandering to any certain audience, um, but without really disrespecting any certain audience. It's not like he's made very masculine um, and chauvinistic films. Uh, these are perfectly suited to a modern audience. They're perfectly suited to an 80s audience as well. Um, he's found the qualities that made those films work in, back in the day and applied them to, to modern films for a new audience that are looking for something a little bit more daring um, and that people that can appreciate the fact that uh, graphic violence can be enjoyable if it is both choreographed and filmed with an appreciation for the audience enjoying it. And that's what we really have here. Basically, Avengement is an action film starring uh, Scott Atkins as Kane, a prisoner on his way to see his dying mum, only to arrive a few minutes too late. Distraught and with no one left to be good for, he's a broken man. When one of the police officers escorting him decides to be critical of him as a son, Kane snaps and escapes after violently assaulting the officers holding him. With nothing left to lose, he makes his way to a private pub whose patrons had a part to play in making him the man he is today. Namely, the one family member he still has, his big brother. After overhearing one of the punters telling a tale he knows to be full of lies, Kane interrupts and proceeds to make himself the centre of attention. Commanding an audience of confused and dangerous drinkers, he tells the story of how he ended up where he was, and what he intends to do about it. With backup of the worst kind on its way, Kane must find retribution and finally get his revenge on all the people who ruined his life and destroyed his soul. Hell bent on revenge, it's gonna be a long night, but this is not a lock-in you'd be unhappy to miss. Scott is at his best in this extremely violent and graphic film of redemption and desperation. 
Jesse V. Johnson has developed a style of action pastiche filmmaking that works because he knows the genre and its audience so very well. By his collaboration with Scott Atkins, who serves as not only the star, but the fight choreographer for these movies, and has been very productive in his work ethic. I heard one of the stunt supervisors saying that um, these complex and dangerous fight scenes would normally take several days to film. But due to his experience and the limited time and afforded to such indie productions, they managed to fit a week's worth of fighting into a day sometimes. Now, as I say, these these films do throw back to some of the classic action films of um, days gone by. Um, and it's not really a genre that's that's managed to stay alive in the, the modern cinematic world. Uh, it's making a bit of a comeback now with uh, such films as... Um, well, like the Fast and Furious films and the John Wick films, you know. But again, it comes down to a very particular style of filmmaking. Um, and unless you've got a massive budget, a lot of the times, these indie filmmakers that, that go for the action flicks, they kind of consider themselves a bit of a, bit of a Guy Ritchie type. Um, they want to make these, like, sort of overly stylized gangster films um, or just... You know, just they, they kind of glamorize a criminal element in a way that just seems tacky and not very cool. And and this collaboration here, I think they've done about seven films together now. These two, uh, Jesse and Scott, they're really churning out. They're they're carving their own path. Basically, they're creating this series of films which has um, gained an audience that only need to see those two names associated. And they know they'll give it a try. I say I, I reviewed Debt Collectors a few weeks ago, um, which was another collaboration between these two. Um, not necessarily their best, but definitely a very enjoyable film. As I say, like that was uh, another kind of tribute to the whole buddy cop situation. Um, you know, there's a whole series of films that that we had back in the day. Um, this is exactly one of those. It's a film about revenge, and it's a film about how violent people can be the worst types of people to screw over. What I really enjoyed about this film was the fact that it took itself seriously enough uh, to not be, you know, a joke. It, it did some brave stuff in regards to the, the violence. Um, some, some people would find it gratuitous. It's not really for everyone, but yeah, if you like extremely good martial arts films, but you also like good British crime films, really good, like, gangster films, um, this is something that you will not have seen before. Uh, because the fight choreography, and it's not all about, like, sort of spinning kicks through the air. Scott Atkins is really well known for doing spinning kicks through the air. Like, I really love watching this guy kick people in the face. But the violence... You know, and the style of violence is very suitable for the environment uh, that they're in. Um, so everything feels like this kind of the brutal reality um, is brought to this pub and its patrons. Uh, and it's just, yeah, I think the film's about 90 minutes long, but my God, it just powers through. Uh, you kind of feel like you've been in the fight by the time you get to the end of it. And there's the possibility of a sequel. So we'll see. Um, but that's that's pretty much it for this week. Um, Avengement, by the way, you can find on, on Netflix. It's a lot of fun, if that's your kind of thing. 
Um, if you're not into violent films, if you're not into um, gangster films, if you're not into martial arts films, you know, it might not be your thing. Maybe go and watch Debt Collectors. There's a lot of violence in that as well, but it's a bit more of a kind of... It's got a comedy element to it. It's, it's a lot more f of a a fun-friendly film than... jeez. Uh, it's hard to really kind of, you know, say that one of Jesse B. Johnson's films is uh, family-friendly. It's certainly not. Um, but his least family-friendly has to be Avengement. I would check it out. It's 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 really really good. Um, and I say it's 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 not going to win any awards. Actually, it might have won an award um, for its choreography, but it's very very enjoyable. I've sat down and watched it a few times now. Um, I have the Blu-ray, even though it's on Netflix. It's one of those things that I like to support certain filmmakers. Um, Especially if I know that they're going out there and doing their own thing. And I, th I think that's very important to kind of get behind. If you if you really love a certain type of film, if you really like a certain type of filmmakers, you've got to support them. You've got to support artists. Otherwise, their art goes away. That's how it works, people. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. As I say, I'm, I'm kind of getting a bit distracted at the moment because I seem to be spotting myself on TV. And that's quite exciting. Um, if you want to catch me, I'm on the... Uh, there's a new series on the BBC iPlayer um, I don't know if you'll be able to get that outside of the UK but it's called Mandy um, and I star in one episode I don't have any dialogue or anything like that it's just a very interesting episode where I'm taking a cigarette break and it gets ruined in the most grotesque way but I've also got stuff coming up um, I know the new series of Famalam comes on soon that's a, um, a black comedy sketch show I'm in a couple of episodes of that um, The Crown Series 4 is dropping on Netflix quite soon in the next couple of months. Um, I know I'm in at least one episode of that. I had a bit of dialogue in that episode as well, so that's quite exciting. Um, what else? Truth Seekers is coming up soon. Um, I had a small featured part in that alongside Malcolm McDowell and uh, Nick Frost and um, a few others. Simon Pegg was in that as well. I didn't get to work with him. I did get to meet him one day, but didn't get to work with him, unfortunately. Maybe there's just too much ginger on one set at one time. You've got to avoid those kind of things. Um, what else? Uh, all sorts. But basically everything I filmed at the, um, the end of last year and the beginning of this year, that's been on hold. I guess everyone's been sat at home editing. So I'm going to see a whole mess of things coming on that uh, you might be able to see my face in. But yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. Um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in every week. Uh, I really do appreciate you guys. I know I've gone very quiet on social media the last couple of weeks. Um, I say things have got a bit busy. Uh, work's been coming in left, right and centre. And um, I try to make sure that I've still got time to do this on a Sunday. There may not be much promotion regarding it, but I'm still going to try to get an episode out every week. Um, but yeah, that's it for this week. I'm not really sure what I'm going to be watching this week. Hope, hope I was hoping to go and see American Pickle, but apparently I might have missed that at the cinema. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll try to stick something on social media to give you an idea of what I'm doing. But until next week, I do wish you peace, love and empathy. Uh, enjoy your weekend, enjoy your week, and enjoy your movies. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.